What's up, guys, and welcome back to another episode of Not Gonna Lie. I'm your host, Jonathan Terry, and we have a ton to get to today. A lot has happened in the NBA this week, a lot has happened in the NFL this past Sunday. But before we get started, we need to thank Aaron Visual. Now, you all may have, have known at this point that Aaron Visual is a, a clothing brand, uh, an apparel company, and Cycle 4 is now out. So you can go on their website, AaronVisual.co, check out their new merch, Cycle 4 just dropped, and on your way out as you're purchasing three, four, maybe five items from uh, from Cycle 4, you can use code NGL at checkout. So find them at AaronVisual.co, Cycle 4 is out now. All right, let's jump into all these games. I'm writing solo this episode. No Hayden uh, wasn't able to make it today, but that's fine. You've got me. So let's get through a recap of these NFL games, and then we're going to hit some NBA news, and then we'll call it an episode. So first, let's start with the Thursday game. The 49ers beat the Cardinals 28-25. It wasn't as close as the score suggested. Um, The Cardinals made a late run. The the, uh, 49ers were up. 28-14 28-14 by the end of the third quarter. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo played really well through four touchdowns. I mean, the Cardinals' defense is iffy at best, but he really showed that not only is he a an above-average quarterback in the NFL, but Manuel Sanders is a legit threat. Like, when the, when they tra- when the 49ers traded for Emmanuel Sanders, this is really everything that they thought he would bring to the team, and so far he has. Seven catches, 112 yards, and a touchdown, Jimmy Garoppolo, 28-37, 317 yards, and four touchdowns. For the Cardinals, obviously you're playing against the the 49ers. Defense is incredible. They didn't turn the ball over once. Uh, Kenyon Drake played really well. Another big trade that they made uh, because of the David Johnson injury. Kenyon Drake, Kenyon Drake had 15 carries, 110 yards, and touchdown. He also pulled off a 36-yard run. Uh, a lot to love, honestly, from the Cardinals. They're developing slowly but surely, but they really are turning into a team that, you know, if they get the offensive line help they need, fix some holes on defense. Like Cliff Kingsbury has got this offense clicking, um, and with this poor offensive line, I, I'm surprised that they've they've done as well as they have. But checking the 49ers schedule coming up, it's going to be a tough stretch for them. The last, let's see, the last eight games of the season. They only play one team with a losing record. So these next are two teams with a losing record. They'll go Seahawks uh, Monday night, which is going to be a big one. Um, likely may decide the division, these these two games, because they'll play each other twice. They get the Seahawks at home, Cardinals at home, and then Packers at home. That's a tough stretch right there. Obviously, the Packers struggled yesterday, but we'll get into that in just a little bit. So let's keep it rolling with the early morning London game, which I am upset about. I have a bone to pick with the Jaguars team because I started D.D. Westbrook in two of my leagues. He was questionable, and I assumed that that meant that he was going to play because he made the trip to London, uh, so all signs pointed to him being there, but then at 5 a.m. Sunday morning, they listed him as out. And what was I supposed to do? There was nothing. I was sound asleep at 5 a.m. That's the only bad thing with these London games is that us West Coast us West Coast guys can't really watch the game because there weren't we're you know I'm not gonna get up at 5 a.m. like I've got football at 10 like that's I I know I'll get it at 10. Anyways, D.D. Westbrook put up a goose egg in two of my leagues because he didn't play. Just a little bit hurt by that Jaguars organization, 
And the Jaguars were just taken out by the Texans. I mean, we, you know, we, Minshew Mania wasn't there today, wasn't there yesterday. 27 to 47, 309 yards, two picks, three sacks. Uh, Leonard Fournette wasn't there, you know, didn't really show up. 11 carries for 40 yards. And they were playing most of the game behind. Sean Watson, 22 28, two touchdowns. Carlos Hyde had 160 yards. Big game for him. Big game for Duke Johnson on the ground, too. Five catches, 68 yards, uh, and then 13 carries and a touch, or 13 yards and a touchdown on the ground. The Texans look good. Uh, they've been playing really well as of late. Deshaun Watson, also fantastic marketing campaign at the end of, at the end of the game. Uh, as you know, he hurt his eye last week, and it's still red, and it looked really bad. And uh, at the end of the game, the reporter asked him how he was able to you know, pull up such a performance. And he said, oh, you know, the, those Popeye's chicken sandwiches are what really kept me going. So whoever is doing marketing and for Popeye's, uh, they're doing a fantastic job, uh, just like the Texans are. The next few weeks, it's a tough stretch, like, you know, like it is for the 49ers. The, the next three games for the Texans, they'll go on the road to play Baltimore, who just came off a big win against the Patriots. Then they take the Colts at home Thursday, November 21. And then they get the Patriots at home Sunday, December first. So there's a, there's a, this that those next three games may really decide their their playoff fate. I mean, obviously it will depend on how well the Colts do in these next three weeks as well. And but coming up this week they get a bye. So they they got a bye. Then they'll go Ravens, Colts, Patriots. For the Jags, uh, I mean there was a lot of hype there. I don't know how much they'll be able to live up to it. They are also going into a bye this week, as the London teams do. Um, they'll go on the road to play Indianapolis. Then they'll go on the road to play the Titans. And then they get the Bucks at home. I mean, realistically, 8-8 eight eight would be a good a good finish for this team. If they can go 4-3 four and four and three down the stretch, they would look good. Um, and then there's a real legitimate quarterback controversy that they have on their hands. Uh, because Minshew's been playing well, save for this game. Uh, but is he Nick Foles level? So who do they trade? Who do they keep? I mean, you have to like if they can find if there's a market for Nick Foles, you you you'd like to trade a guy like that because if Minshew can deliver on a six round picks rookie salary, I mean they're not making a whole lot and that allows them to still build their team, uh, and they've got they'd have four more years of cheap quarterback play where they could really develop you know get get some offensive line pieces. Uh, strengthen the defense and they've also got the the Rams first round pick thanks to that Jalen Ramsey trade so there's a lot looking up in Jacksonville um, Tom Coughlin's a smart guy you know I, we trust him to make the right decisions uh, but there's a lot that could go right in Jacksonville if they play their cards right next up we've got the Redskins and the Buffalo Bills the Bills won 24 to 9 the Redskins moved to 1 and 8 in the season and the Bills Get back in the winning column at six and two. Dwayne Haskins made his first start, fifteen to twenty-two, hundred forty-four yards, and four sacks, but no interceptions. Adrian Peterson had one hundred eight yards on the ground. Paul Richardson had four catches for forty-two yards. Terry McLaren had four catches for thirty-nine yards. For the Bills, Josh Allen fourteen to twenty, hundred sixty yards and a touchdown. Devin Singletary really blew up this game, twenty carries for ninety-five yards and a touchdown. And then he added three catches for 45 in the air. The Bills look good this game. Obviously going up against a rookie quarterback making his first start. 
just covered in controversy. I mean, this was the perfect game for them to get back to winning. Obviously, last week falling to the Eagles 31-13. 6-2 is a really good place for them to be right now. Obviously, they're they're leading the wild card race in the AFC. And now that the Patriots went down, they're a bit closer. Although, I'm not sure that they can really do much to to catch them. I just, I mean, the Bills are happy to be at 6-2. They win four more games. If they can go 4-4, four and four and, what is it, 4-4? Four and four? Yeah, if they can go 4-4, four and four, play 500 ball the rest of the way, at 10-6, that'll likely get them into the playoffs. The next three weeks, they get the Browns, the Dolphins, and the Broncos, uh, which, you know, you win two out of three, you're looking really good. You're in a really good situation. Uh, for the Redskins, obviously this season is a disappointment to say the least. Not a lot that they can really do here, uh, but but play the games out and hope for a good draft pick. Uh, a lot of holes, offensive line needs, defense needs, uh, you know, and really they just need time. Time and draft picks are really are, are going to be what heals any organization, uh, but... Hopefully, you know, you have to make the right picks. That's the most important thing. So be on the lookout for that. The Redskins, not a lot to look out for. Uh, but come April, they'll be they'll be in the conversation for, um, you know, who they're taking with a top five pick. All right, let's keep it moving here. Eagles and Bears. Eagles won 22-14 and moved to 5-4 and four on the season. The Bears, a.k.a. my Super Bowl pick, have dropped to 3-5. and five. Uh, Mitch Trubisky, 10 of 21, 125 yards. David Montgomery, 14 carries for 40 yards and two touchdowns. Taylor Gabriel, three catches for 69 yards. Carson Wentz went 26 of 39, 239 yards and a touchdown. Jordan Howard added 19 carries, 82 yards on the ground and a touchdown. And Zach Ertz had a big game, nine catches, 103 yards and a touchdown. The Eagles got back on the winning track, up at five and four now. They've won two in a row, and the next two weeks they will they will host the Patriots and the Seattle Seahawks. But they've got a bye coming up this week. The Eagles aren't out of the out of the conversation by any means. Uh, you know, trailing the the Cowboys technically. Um, obviously, they're they're going into their game tonight. Already having had a bye, they'll face the two and six Giants, which we'll cover in a bit. Um, the Eagles are still very much in the thick of it. I mean, a lot of people had them going to the Super Bowl for a reason. There was a lot for them to figure out, uh, and that that they hopefully have at this point. Just growing pains. Carson Wentz doesn't look as good in the offense as Nick Foles does. I mean, he may put up better numbers, but Nick Foles just wins games. It's really as simple as that. Uh, for the Bears, this season's a big disappointment. I scored, they scored two touchdowns uh, to to make the game close here in the in the second half. But the first half, I think they were averaging about 0.2 yards per play, which you can't win a lot of games averaging 0.2 yards per play. So the Bears, they they their season may be done. They, this may have been the the win uh, win or go home game. They dropped four in a row. Uh, obviously, the the Raiders in in London, the Saints, the Chargers, and now the Eagles here, sitting at three and five in a division that we've already ranked the best in football at this point. I mean. Just looking above them, you've got the Packers at seven and two, the Vikings at six and three, and the Lions at three, four and five, uh, three, four and one. Uh, this we may have to do a, a, or sorry, the second best division in football. We didn't rank them the best. That's the NFC West, which is which is still true, but the NFC North is slipping. Uh, Vikings and Packers are right up there, but the Bears leave a little bit more to be desired. So 
hopefully, you know, they. I don't think they had their first round pick this year either because of the Khalil Mack trade. Uh, so we'll see what comes of that. But in the offseason, you really need to look at trading for a Nick Foles, trading for or signing a Teddy Bridgewater, a guy like that, because Mitch Trubisky is not the answer. Uh, and if you can deal him and get a pick, maybe, that, that you use to help get a Nick Foles or, you know, just uh, just to get some more draft capital back, that may be the play here because right now everything is clicking but the quarterback, and we see that trickling into other parts of the offense, and it's affecting the defense as well. The second week of Matt Moore has led the Chiefs to a win. Uh, fantastic, fantastic game for the Chiefs, all things considered. Tyreek Hill had a fantastic game. Matt Moore threw 25-35, 275, and a touchdown. Damian Williams had 12 carries for 125 yards, including a 91-yarder for a score. And Tyreek Hill had six catches for 140 yards and a touchdown. For the Vikings, Kirk Cousins was 19-38 for 220 and three touchdowns. Dalvin Cook was 21-71. Uh, and the leading receiver for the Vikings was Laquan Treadwell, three catches, 58 yards. So Kirk Cousins, I mean, 19-38 is not good. He almost performed worse than what his stat line really showed. I mean, he was he had receivers open, and he was just a couple yards in front of them, just, just missing them straight up. Uh, and, and this is a game that you would like to win. I mean, obviously you're in Kansas City, um, but this is a game that you, you need, especially because... The Packers lost today. Like this is a big move for your organization to move up uh, in in the NFC North because the Packers are going to be you know you're chasing the Packers all year. This was your time, uh, but Kirk Cousins was disappointing. People are saying you know this is oh this is why we say he's overrated. I mean it, it comes with the territory. Obviously like you know what you're going to get with Kirk Cousins. He's an above average quarterback who's going to struggle at times. At times he's going to look like. You know, a fantastic quarterback at times, he's going to look below average. But the truth lies somewhere in the middle. I mean, he's a streaky quarterback who struggles in, in primetime games. And maybe that, that might be just all he is. Like, at, you'd think they'd accept that at, that at this point. Uh, puts up big numbers, but doesn't win games for you, unfortunately. For the Chiefs, though, this was what you could really hope for. I mean, the, the defense played... Decently well, if Kirk Cousins hits on those passes, you could you could make the argument that that this game wouldn't have been any, anywhere close, not because of the defense, but a win is a win. Now the the Chiefs will go on the road to face the Titans, and then the Chargers on the road, and hopefully somewhere in that point they get Patrick Mahomes back. Uh, going one and one is really what you could have hoped for. I mean, obviously, I guess you could count the Broncos game too, uh, but but. If you told the Chiefs they'd be sitting at 500 games without Patrick Mahomes, I feel like they'd take that. And the the AFC West is getting more competitive. Chargers had a big win today. The Raiders are four and four. So right now they're the the Raiders are two and a half out on the Chiefs. You know they lose that game, and they're at five and four. All of a sudden the Raiders are half a game out, and it's a whole different conversation. The Chargers and the Raiders are both knocking on the door. The Broncos won as well. Uh, moving them to three and six, but they really needed this win to keep pace in the division and really set themselves apart from the rest of the team. And the Vikings could have used this win to move up against the Packers, but obviously fell short. Let's move on to the Panthers and Titans. Christian McCaffrey is inserting himself into the MVP conversation whenever he can. He's a lock for Offensive Player of the Year. 
140 for 146, two touchdowns. He had a 58-yard run. He also caught three passes for 20 yards and a touchdown. Kyle Allen, 17-32, 232 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, and then DJ Moore had a big game, seven catches for 101 yards. For the Titans, a little bit of a disappointment. Ryan Tannehill, 27-39, 331 yards, a touchdown and two picks. Derrick Henry had 13 carries for 63 yards, added in a touchdown. Uh, and then A.J. Brown had four catches for 81 yards. The Panthers looked good, and I think we were attributing some of his success, some of their success, to Kyle Allen, but it really is all on Christian McCaffrey. Like, if Christian McCaffrey's having a good game, they're going to win games because he's just a game wrecker. I mean, Kyle Allen can throw dump-offs to him. He can run through defenses. He can hand the ball off, you know, obviously capable of ripping out 60-yard touchdown runs. We really got to think about Christian McCaffrey a lot more now. Like, he keeps putting up these games at this pace, and it's going to be hard to ignore what what he's able to do. Uh, the Panthers, this is a big win against the Titans. They're both, this was kind of a, a, a test for the Panthers to really show what they're made of, obviously coming off of a blowout loss to San Francisco. Uh, but they still they still solidify themselves as an average, above-average team because I would put the Titans in that average category for sure. Uh, so that's a big win. They go on the road to play the Packers next week. A big game for them right there. But they're 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 in the wild card conversation. In the in the NFC South, they're two games behind the Saints. Not a lot of competition behind them. But beyond that, I mean you're looking at they're they're eight they're the eighth seed right now. They're half a game off the Vikings. Um but they're they're still in the conversation. A win against the Packers would go a long way in establishing themselves. And Christian McCaffrey looks really good. For the Titans, obviously you would have loved to win in this situation. Um a win would have put them a game behind the Texans, but unfortunately they weren't able to pull it out. Uh, Ryan Tannehill looked decent. I mean, he's the better option than Marcus Mariota, definitely, no doubt about it. But is that good enough? I, I really don't know. I don't think so. Uh, D- Derrick Henry would have liked to see more production out of him, but obviously they're playing from behind, so you need to throw the ball a lot more. Uh, the Titans, they're, they're hot and cold. I mean, some weeks they'll look good. Some weeks they'll unfortunately look really bad. Uh, you know, next week they they'll play the, the Chiefs, and then they'll get the Jaguars. Both games are at home. Hopefully, I mean, obviously you want Patty Mahomes back for sure, but the Titans have a better chance to win if Patty Mahomes isn't playing. So we'll have to see what happens there. But a loss may kick them out of the playoff conversation. If they're at four and six, that may be really difficult for them to come back from. Because they just don't really feel like a team that can go 6-0 and down the stretch. So they really need to take a couple wins here, win these next two at home, get above 500, and then maybe they're you know a dark horse sleeper. And then these next five games, they'll go road Colts, road Raiders, home against the Texans and Saints, and then they get the Texans on the road to finish out the season. So these next two weeks are pivotal. I guess they have a bye week in between the Chiefs and Jags. So look, so they'll, they'll get a break between there. So these next three weeks are extremely pivotal as the Titans make their playoff push. Some exciting news for NFL fans, not exciting for Dolphins fans, but the Dolphins won their first game 26-18 to yesterday over the New York Jets. The Dolphins fans are obviously upset because this puts them out of the driver's seat for the number one pick, but they can still save it. Uh, and by save it, I mean lose out and still get the number one pick. Sam Darnold, 27 of 39, 260 yards, 
a touchdown and a pick. Le'Veon Bell, 17 carries for 66 yards. And then Jamison Crowder had eight catches for 83 yards and a touchdown. For the Dolphins, Fitzmagic was back, 24-36, 288 yards, and three touchdowns. Not a lot in the running game, obviously. Kenyon Drake is gone. Mark Walton averaged 2.4 yards to carry, 12 carries for 29 yards. Uh, Gusecki, six catches, 95 yards. And Preston Williams, five catches for 72 and two touchdowns. I don't think the Dolphins intended to win this game. It's just that the Jets are so playing so poorly right now. Uh, I think it's it may have been the curse of the player that I endorse. Obviously, Sam Darnold is not looking good right now. I endorsed him a couple weeks ago saying the only thing that can stop him is mono. But then he went next week and said that he started seeing ghosts, which I just want to make a disclaimer. When I was talking about things stopping Sam Darnold, I meant things in the natural world, um, not not in the supernatural. So obviously I couldn't have foreseen this coming. Uh, so you can't really place this on me. And I'm, I'm going to retract my claim because there there's something going on there uh, with Sam Darnold that that I didn't expect and I doubt it you know I'm I'm sure I have something to do with it uh being the 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 podcaster that I am but no really don't know what's going on in for the Jets hopefully they can get a good first round pick reload because this was a team that many expected to do decently well I mean maybe not make the playoffs but win a lot of games uh the Dolphins Fitz Magic like if they want to tank they really need to be putting Josh Rosen in these games because they know Fitzpatrick can go off at any given point. Let's move on to the Raiders and the Lions. Big win for the Raiders, moving to 500 on the season, beating the Lions 20, 31-24. Matt Stafford, 26-41, of 41, 406 yards and three touchdowns. Kenny Galladay had four catches for 132 and a touchdown. Marvin Jones had eight catches for 126 and a touchdown. Obviously, the... The Raiders broke up a pass with, I think, three seconds left in the end zone to to uh, keep the Lions from tying the game up. Derek Carr, t- 20 of 31, 289 yards and a touchdown. Josh Jacobs had 28 carries for 120 yards on the ground and two touchdowns. And Jalen Richard had three catches for 56 yards. The Raiders are a decent team. I mean, John Gruden's done a really good job of you know, he, I think he said at the beginning of the year that he wanted to lead the league in effort, which I really feel like they have. I mean, you've got, you get guys like Hunter Renfro, who this game, six catches, 54 yards, and a touchdown. You know he's going to work hard. You know he's going to grind. Uh, a lot of people were saying Derek Carr is due for a six-year bump, which we've seen. I mean, he's, I think he's second in the league in completion percentage. He's 3% off the record that Drew Brees set. Uh, I think 72 or 71% on the season for him right now. They'll go... They'll take the Chargers at home, the Bengals at home, and then the Jets on the road. These are three extremely winnable games for this team, uh, games that they should win. And if they do win, all of a sudden the Raiders are at 7-4, which is pretty good. They put themselves in a really good spot uh, to win some games here, and they might do just that. The Lions, however, I mean, we had a lot of hype. They were, they were sort of that team that could beat anybody um, on any given day. Recently, they haven't been, obviously falling to the Raiders here, and then uh, they beat the Giants, but then lost three games before that. They'll take the Bears on the road, the Cowboys at home, and then the Redskins on the road the next three weeks. I mean, it's disappointing for sure uh, for this Lions team, but they may not be that far out of contention. You know, next year, uh, I don't want to put the throw the towel in just yet, but I feel like at this point, they're, they're beyond the point of 
making the playoffs just because that NFC North and that NFC is so stacked. Uh, the, the, the I think the last wild card is six and three. It's the Vikings. So they have a lot of ground to make up, and I just don't think that they're going to do it. All right, we've got the Packers and the Chargers here. 26 to 11, the Chargers won. Uh, kind of a shock because this Raiders team, or this, this Packers team, is playing extremely well. Uh, the Chargers had played almost every game close and fell, fell short just a little bit. Uh, but this game, they would not be denied. Aaron Rodgers threw 23-35, 161 yards and a touchdown. Far cry from what he's been before. Uh, Aaron Jones had eight carries for 30 yards. Uh, Devontae Adams in his first game back, seven catches for 41 yards. Uh, a lot of left to be left a lot to be desired out on the field yesterday. Phillip Rivers, 21 of 28, 294 yards. Melvin Gordon had 20 carries for 80 yards and two touchdowns. Eckler added 12 carries for 70. Uh, and Mike Williams had three catches for 111 yards. Yeah, I don't really expect I don't really think a lot of people expected this to be the game that it was. Um Halftime, I think it was 9-0 in favor of the Chargers. And then they just really turned on the Jets there at the end, obviously allowing the, the Packers to score a couple touchdowns there at the end. The Chargers may, the Chargers look like a good dark horse. I think in the AFC especially, uh, they're, they're not too far out of contention. And if you look at these games that they've lost, I mean, as far as point differential goes, they're, they're not that far behind. 4-5. Uh, and five, is their current record right now. But if you take a look at their schedule, I mean, they lost their losses are three points, seven points, seven, seven, three. Like these they're all within a score. Uh and their wins, they won by twenty points, six points, one point, and then fifteen points. Um so four and five, they may be the best four and five team in football at this point. Uh next week they'll they'll go on the road to play the Raiders. Then they take on the Chiefs Monday night. And then they go on the road to play the Broncos uh, with a bye in between the Chiefs and Broncos game. But in the division, if you can take if they can take two out of three here, especially beating the Raiders and if, really okay, no, I take that back. If they can go three and zero, oh, they have to win all three games. That puts them at seven and five, and with a loss to the Chiefs, the Chiefs would be about eight and or seven and four, seven and four, eight and four. So they're right there in the thick of it if they can get a win over the Chiefs. That's going to be the biggest thing for them. Uh, and then and then they're back to where we expected them to be. So they're not out of it. They're, this is this was the turning of the tide for them for the Packers. Still first in the NFC North uh, because of that Vikings loss. But there's room for concern. I mean, obviously we knew that Aaron Rodgers couldn't be superhuman every week. Obviously his MVP ballot took a bit of a hit with this performance. Not the kind that you would like to see, uh, but really what can be expected. All right, this one hurts just a little bit, but obviously we have to talk about it. The Colts and Steelers game, Steelers 26, Colts 24. Mason Rudolph 26 to 35, 191 yards and a touchdown and a pick. Trey Edmonds 12 carries 73 yards and Jalen Samuel 13 catches for 73 yards. Uh, the Colts split time, obviously, with that injury to Jacoby Brissett. Brian Hoyer, 17 to 26, 168 yards, three touchdowns and a pick. Marlon Mack, 21 carries for 89 yards, and then Zach Pascal had five catches for 76 yards and a touchdown. Um, not the result we wanted, obviously. Like this, this, you know, you would have liked to see a win. Brian Hoyer put us in a place to win the game. Obviously, the laces were in. 
not out. For those of you who aren't aware of this phenomenon, uh, when you're kicking a field goal, the holder should always try to spin the laces away from the kicker because the back side of the ball is smooth uh, with no laces. But if you hit the front side uh, with the laces, that leaves a lot of space for the ball to uh, to knuckle and spin and go out of control, which is really what happened in that game, unfortunately. Um, I mean, just first off, Jacoby Brissett getting injured is never a, a something that you want to see in the sport. Uh, kind of a, a freak accident. Quentin Nelson was pushed into him, hurt his knee. Um, at first, it looked like he was going to come back. Uh, he was ready to go with the helmet on the sidelines, but I think Frank Reich wanted to err on the side of caution, not let him back in the game. Um, and Brian Hoyer did a decent job. I mean, he 17-26, three touchdowns, 168 yards. He was sacked four times, though. Um, and part of that has to do with his lateral movement. I feel like, you know, being an older guy, he's not really that quick laterally or what, I don't even know what the other way is. Really, any which way he moves, he's not that quick, unfortunately. Uh, but the Colts really shot themselves in the foot, fumbled the ball four times, uh, two of which they lost, uh, and then and then unsportsmanlike conduct penalties, one of which I'm not sure really was a penalty because uh, the whistle wasn't blown at halftime, uh, and that moved the Steelers up 15 yards to put them into field goal range uh, for them to kick a field goal, which, I mean, as you can tell, is the difference in the game. But also missing field goals, missing uh, extra point was blocked, and that also led to being the difference in the game because the Colts had to go for two the next time, try and tie it up, didn't convert. Obviously, that put them at the two-point differential. That was the difference maker in the game. So there's a lot of areas where they could have won. I mean, it's easy to blame one person, whether it's Brian Hoyer, um, whether it's the defense, whether it's Darius Leonard for those three unsportsmanlike penalty calls, whether it's, uh, you know, I don't know. There's, there's just a lot of, of what-ifs. And that's kind of the game that any fan plays within the six-day stretch between the game that just happened and the game that did happen. I mean, obviously, that kick goes in. Um, winning winning solves everything, so that's not as much of a problem. Adam Venetary makes two game-winning kicks in two straight weeks, and, and the Colts are at 6-2 and two and, and top of the division, but now 5-3. and three, um, I mean, we knew, we knew it was going to be a tough stretch. It was, it was going to be tough to go 4-0. It's tough to win four games in a row in any league. Um, luckily, we get the Dolphins next week. Hopefully, Jacoby Brissett's good to go for that. If not, I mean, I don't foresee it being an issue. Obviously, the Colts have played bad football two weeks in a row. Uh, Frank Reich's motto of 1-0, you know, two weeks of bad football doesn't fit that mold, uh, especially because they're going to forget about it. T.Y. Hilton is going to miss likely the next three weeks uh, with, a, with a calf injury. Hopefully, Pierre Desir is ready to go. But... Dolphins next week, get back on track, and then Jaguars at home, setting up for a big Thursday night matchup between the Colts and the Texans, uh, obviously playing on the road in Houston. The Colts won the first game, but this this game really may decide the division. I think the winner of that game wins the division at this point. And it, I mean, the Colts would have to go 2-0 against Houston, but Houston's winning games outside of, outside of, of the division. The Colts, fortunately, are 2-0 right now. Still having four games to play, uh, two, two against the Jags, and then one against the Texans and the Titans. On the side of the Steelers, I mentioned it last week. I said if there's a chance, like there's a chance that they could go out and 
and beat these Colts, which they did, uh, and that puts them in a really good place. But unfortunately, I didn't account for the Ravens being uh, going out and getting the win against the Patriots. So they sit two games behind the Ravens at this point, but they're right there. They're right on the edge of the playoff conversation, one game behind the Colts, who they just beat, uh, and and they look to be very competitive. I mean, we don't know, we don't obviously we haven't seen the best of the Steelers team. They're putting the, this effort together with two of their running backs that were out. James Conner obviously missed that game uh, on Sunday, and Mason Rudolph played decently well, about as good as, be, as could be expected. The defense was fantastic, forcing turnovers, forcing four fumbles, a pick six, 96-yard pick six by Minka Fitzpatrick, uh, but a good all-around effort for the the Steelers. Got the win. Obviously, unfortunately, had to come at the hand of Mike Colts, but... We're moving on. All right, Broncos and Browns. Broncos won 24-19. Brandon Allen looked really good. Um, 12 of 20. Oh, I mean, decently good. I, I shouldn't say really good. Uh, about as good as could be expected for a quarterback that was thrust into the starting position. 12 of 20, 193 yards and two touchdowns. Most of those yards came on a 75-yard pass to Noah Fant, uh, which, which was really just a 15-yard pass that, that he ran 60 yards. Fant had three catches for 115 yards and a touchdown, and Philip Lindsay had nine carries for 92 yards and a touchdown. Uh, the defense played extremely well. Baker Mayfield, 27-42, 273 yards and a touchdown. Nick Chubb had 20 carries for 65 yards, uh, and Odell Beckham had five catches for 87 yards. The interesting thing here, uh, Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. were told by the NFL that they had changed their cleats or else they couldn't play in the second half, which they did, obviously, because they kept playing. We'll have to see what the fallout is from that. Obviously, we'll have to see what the fallout is from this this Browns team, who you know many people really liked. Now they're sitting at two and six, and they really have to win out. They don't have another choice. Like they can't they can't make any more excuses. They can't lose any more games. And they've got the next three weeks. They've got the Bills, the Steelers, and the Dolphins. Uh, so it's it's really eight no football from here on out. Ten and six will get you a playoff spot in the AFC, uh, most definitely. But I don't think the Browns can get there. There's too many missing pieces. Freddie Kitchens is not calling a good scheme that's putting Baker in a mode to be successful. I feel like he's talking a lot, not really proving it on the field, uh, which is new territory for him. I, I feel like he's always been able to trash talk and back it up, so it's been okay. But And now he doesn't really know what to do uh, since he's not. Nick Chubb isn't performing as well as you'd hope, and honestly that really comes down to the defensive line or the offensive line. The offensive line has been the biggest point of contention for this Browns team, and we've seen many really good teams fall because they don't have a good offensive line. So, you know, this this could be a good wake-up call for them. Freddie Kitchens may be out this year. If they can't win at least, I don't know, seven or eight games, Freddie Kitchens may be gone in his first year, um, and Todd Munkin or whoever, yeah, I think that's his name, the offense, whoever the offensive coordinator is, uh, we'll, we'll obviously take over a great deal of the play calling next year. And hopefully they put an emphasis on offensive line because this team isn't far from competing, uh, but they really do need to get it under control. All right, winding down on the end of these Sunday games, we've got the Seahawks and the Bucks. Seahawks winning in overtime 40-34. to 34. Uh, Russell Wilson may be running away with this race. I really think the only guy that can catch him at this point is Christian McCaffrey. Russell Wilson, 29-43, 378 yards, 
five touchdowns. Chris Carson had 16 carries for 105 yards on the ground, and Tyler Lockett had 13 catches for 152 yards and two touchdowns. Metcalf had six for 123 and a touchdown as well. Uh, great game by the Seahawks offensively. Uh, it looked like it was going to get out of hand early. Defense kept it in check. Uh, for the Bucks, Jameis Winston, 29-44, 335 yards, two touchdowns. Ronald Jones, eight carries for 67 yards and a touchdown. And Mike Evans, 12 catches for 180 yards and a touchdown. Uh, I had both Mike or Mike Evans and Tyler Lockett on my team, in my on my fantasy team. So it was a great day for for me, uh, fantasy wise. I really think as as far as offense goes, the Seahawks are legit. Uh, there's not a lot of teams that can compete with what they have, especially now adding Josh Gordon. Um, didn't play. I don't think he played in this game. Uh, but there's a, there's really a, like there's there's ways they can still improve which is what makes them so dangerous. Like, obviously, um, they've got pass catchers that, that could do more, that could be out doing more. Um, defensively, they've, they've kind of gotten lit up as far as yards go um, the last two weeks playing the, the Falcons and, and the Bucks. But when your offense is as good as theirs is, you can weather a lot of, of points being given up. The, let's see, the next two weeks are going to be uh, – actually, the rest of the season. I was looking at this a little bit earlier – the rest of the season is going to be a tough one for them. The only team they play with a losing record is the Cardinals, uh, and the rest are winning record. You've got on the road against the 49ers, tough game next Monday night. That's going to be a big one. On the road against the Eagles, they get the Vikings at home, then it's on the road against the Rams and Panthers, Cardinals at home, and 49ers at home to end the season. I really do think there's a good chance that Sunday, that Sunday December 29 game against the 49ers will be for the division. Uh, I think I think it'll be a win, and you win the division. I still think the other team's going to be a wild card just because of how they're performing right now and how good I really think they are. As far as my guess right now, I really do feel like the Seahawks are better than the 49ers still. Um, the 49ers are still giving me, like, they're, they're still leaving me with question marks, but the Seahawks are checking a lot a lot of boxes at this point, looking really good. And the, the dangerous thing with them signing Josh Gordon is that they don't need him. Uh, and that means that Josh Gordon is going to have to work hard for targets because right now uh, he's there. He may be their third receiver going into this game or going into these next few weeks. Uh, and that could be the motivation he needs to work hard because we've seen what he can be when he's at his best. He's a really good talent. So this Josh Gordon signing is absolutely dangerous. The Seahawks offense may be the best in football argue I actually you know I don't I don't really see a better offense right now just having the quarterback Russell Wilson making the plays that he's making uh, but next week is going to be their this these next the second half of the season is going to be their big test really um, you know playing a lot of really good off or offenses really good defenses just playoff caliber teams up and down all right one last game to cover the Sunday night football game then we'll hit some basketball news and then we'll call it an episode uh, let's see, we've got the Ravens absolutely throttling the Patriots, 37-20. to 20. I didn't expect it. Uh, and here's the thing, I, I will admit, Lamar Jackson, I, I said, I've said on this podcast, uh, isn't a good passer in the league. Uh, and and, I, and I, I think he's average, uh, which I feel like I've stated before. Um, but for some reason... I translated his ability to pass uh, into his ability to win. Like I didn't think it was capable of 
of just grinding out wins on the ground, like a mixture of on the ground and in the air. And he's proved me wrong from that standpoint, um, which is really cool to see. I mean, obviously, he threw 17-23, 163 yards and a touchdown, uh, but then added 61 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. Their defense is looking fantastic. Um, and, and he just he has that just winning, like he just has that, that it factor that leads his team to wins. Like he just does, he does just enough uh, that gets, that puts his teams in the situations to win. Uh, it's very similar to what Russell Wilson does uh, on, a, on, a, on a smaller scale, though, definitely, because Russell Wilson is a fantastic passer. Uh, but Lamar Jackson is the best running quarterback in the league. Um, he's a smart runner. He makes good throws when he has to. I mean, like I said, average quarterback still. I don't believe he's done anything to put himself in the in the above average or even elite conversation as far as throwing the ball goes. Will teams figure it out? I don't know. Like that's that was my assumption at the beginning, um, and maybe maybe they might figure it out because obviously this is his first time playing the Patriots. Tom Brady didn't look as good uh, as you know he has in recent recent years. Thirty of forty six hundred or uh, 285, one touchdown, one interception. Um, didn't get a lot of help on the ground. Each each Patriot running back averaged four carries, but they only ran the ball 17 times total for about 70 yards. Julian Edelman, 10 catches, 89 yards. Muhammad's new 10 catches, 81 yards, and a touchdown. He looked really good there. Uh, the Patriots' defense just got blown up. I mean, maybe... Maybe we were too fast in calling them the best defense of all time. I mean, because they really did play a lot of easy teams. Uh, but these next few weeks, they're going to get a lot of good offenses, and they're going to get a lot of opportunities to clear their name uh, that, that they really are a an elite defense. Maybe not the best defense of all time like we were saying they were, uh, but they'll play the Chiefs, they'll play the Eagles, they'll play the Texans. Um, so a lot of different games going on for them. And they all have a lot to prove. I mean, the Ravens beating the, the Seahawks and the Patriots in a matter of, you know, three three weeks, two games in three weeks, looks really good. Looks really fantastic for them. And they're a dangerous team. The the Ravens are now the second seed in the in the in the AFC. Uh, and they may keep it. I don't I don't know. I mean, unless Patty Mahomes comes back this week um, and puts a lot more pressure on them, the Ravens may be going into the playoffs with a first round bye. So, interesting to see what happens there. Not really sure. Um, obviously, the next three weeks for the Ravens, they'll go on the road to the Bengals, then the Texans at home, then on the road to the Rams, and the 49ers at home. So, they're not out of the thick. They're still in the thick of it. A lot of good teams left to be played, and the Steelers are still knocking on the door in the division. Uh, but they, they look really good, uh, and they've shown what they can be at their best, which is one of the elite teams in the NFL as far as offense and defense goes. All right, the Sunday night game, Giants-Cowboys. Not a lot to talk about here. Um, it's, you know, the Cowboys are, are going to put this one away. Should be pretty early. It's on the it's in uh, in MetLife, in MetLife Stadium. Uh, the, the, current, the current spread is 6.5 uh, in favor of the Dallas Cowboys, which I, I, I have a feeling they'll cover. Um, the Cowboys have looked better in recent weeks, um, obviously coming off – of that loss to the Jets, which by the transitive property, the Dolphins beat the Cowboys because the only win that the Jets have is against the Cowboys. Uh, but, you know, that's that's fine. Four and three do need a win here. The next few weeks are, are going to be busy for them. They've got the Vikings at home, the Lions on the road, the 
Patriots on the road, and then the Bills at home. Um, you know, which they're they're winnable if they go three and two in that stretch. Uh, that's a successful campaign, uh, and then you know they should still be in first place in the NFC East. But the Giants, for a second there, we thought they were contenders, uh, but they they're not. Um, you know, unfortunately for for Giants fans, Squan Barkley's coming back, looking better, getting back into playing shape, which is good for him. Uh, you know, if I had to if I had to make a prediction, I would probably say. 31-14 Cowboys. So that's my prediction for Monday Night Football. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to jump into some NBA news and call it good. All right, we're about six games or so into the NBA season. Still a lot of question marks. Still not a lot of things that are solidified. I mean, teams that are playing well now may not be playing well later. But let's take a look at some of the um, storylines so far. Lakers have won five in a row after falling to the Clippers. Uh uh, on the first game of the season in Staples Center. They look really good, coming off big wins uh, against the Mavericks in in uh, in Dallas. They beat the Spurs last night in San Antonio. I mean, these are some good games that they're putting up here, and it's exciting to watch. I mean, obviously, I, I don't foresee it continuing just because injuries are going to hit, guys are going to struggle, and the Lakers aren't insanely deep. I mean, they're about they're seven or eight like high quality starting guys that are uh, that you know that can win a lot of games on this team, um, but they're still a top four seed in the West. I, I think you know with Anthony Davis and LeBron healthy, uh, there's there's not a lot of teams that can really beat them. I mean there's a few, um, and obviously they're gonna rest. They're gonna they're gonna miss a couple games here or there, so they're not gonna win every game that they should. Because uh, I mean LeBron knows LeBron knows the playoffs are what matter. And really, if the Lakers just get into it, they can cause a lot of damage. Um, I, I think they can go. I mean, they could go this year. They could win a, a championship, obviously, as far as they could go. Um, realistically, Western Conference Finals seems like a good a good spot for them. There's just too much depth. Um, obviously, the Clippers have, don't even have Paul George back. But uh, Timberwolves are 4-1. Also look really good. Carl Anthony Towns is playing like a legit all-NBA first-team player, which many didn't expect. Um, and you know, I think this, this may be a fluke. I mean, I wish I, I wish I could be excited for them. Cause obviously I want the Timberwolves to do well. Their team that struggled in years, Anthony or Andrew Wiggins is playing better. Is it enough? Probably not, unfortunately for them. Uh, but yeah, the, just, just initially the Western conference is, is loads better than, than the, than the Eastern conference from what we've seen. There's a, the trailblazers are three and three. They're the 10th seed in the West right now. Um, and that's good enough for the sixth seed in the East. Obviously, that trend's going to continue. The Sixers haven't lost a game yet. They look really good. Um, haven't been forced to shoot the three a whole lot. Obviously, won a close one against Portland in Portland a couple nights ago. Uh, Furkin Korkomas uh, hitting a buzzer beater three to put them over the Trailblazers by one. Um, 76ers look like the Eastern Conference champion that I assume they would be. Uh, adding Al Horford, just getting another year of development for Joel Embiid, uh, for for uh, for for Ben Simmons, and I mean their wins are good wins. They they beat the Celtics, who th- the only loss the Celtics have this season is to the 76ers. They beat the Timberwolves. Same thing. Uh, this is a good team. Like this is a legit title threatening team. Um, definitely one to watch out for. The one the biggest surprise is the five and one Heat. Uh, I, w- I would say it's 
who would you know who would have thought? I mean, they're blowing teams out. They just blew out the Rockets by, I think it was 25 last night. Kendrick Nunn, an undrafted free agent, looking fantastic for him. Tyler Hero developing well into a, a solid shooting role, and they've got Jimmy Butler, Goran Dragic, uh, Bam Adebayo. Like this is this is a good team. I'll have to go back and look. I'm I I don't think I had them making the playoffs. Um, so we'll see if this keeps up. Obviously, first six games in. Don't really know what's going to happen. I mean, for example, the Hornets are three and three, and technically in the playoffs if they end today, which will not continue. Unfortunately, I don't think there's any chance that the the Hornets have of making making the playoffs. Uh, the Warriors obviously now at one and five, lost Steph Curry for three months with a broken hand, and it's it's tough for Golden State fans. Obviously, uh, when you're when your leading scorer is Eric Pascal. Uh, Jordan Poole and Draymond Green, that's a lot different from a big trio of Klay Thompson, Steph Curry, and Kevin Durant. Uh, but unfortunately, it's going to be like that for a bit. Klay uh, Thompson may come back after the All-Star break. Steph Curry will be ready to go in January. So maybe about, they'll probably get him back about the same time. Um, so then they'll have a month and a half, two months of good basketball. And honestly, if I'm the Warriors, I think you may need to just leave them, like keep them out. You make make up some excuse about how you're you're gearing up for next year, um, but want to make sure they're fully healthy, which obviously wouldn't be wouldn't be a bad idea. Like obviously, you know, you want to tank, but keeping them out for the rest of the year, making sure they're ready to go for next year, may be the best play in this situation. Right now, uh, thanks to Bleacher Report's tank standings, they are third. Um, the Pelicans and the Knicks are in front of them. Pelicans, another team. I mean, obviously they're missing Zion that everyone was high on. I just, I don't know. It, it was just like young team, a lot of different pieces that that a lot of different things that needed to be worked out. Didn't really think they were ready to go, uh, and and they're struggling, which is unfortunate because obviously you don't want any team to to suck, you know, if, if they can help it. Uh, but but uh, yeah, Zion comes back. It'll be a different team, different play style. Uh, and I, I'm honestly ready for him. I'm really excited to watch him ball out and 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 do and really change this Pelicans team around. Uh, and then ending it off with the Celtics, Jalen Brown looks really good. Looks almost worth all the money that we spent on him. Marcus Smart is just playing Marcus Smart basketball, but maybe even better. I don't know exactly what their ceiling is, but all I'm saying is don't sleep on the Celtics. I think they have improved a lot. Gordon Hayward's getting back to his form. Jason Tatum hit that nice step-back buzzer beater uh, against the Knicks last Friday night. This is a good team and a legit team uh, that can make some noise. I'm not saying they're going to the finals. I'm saying like they could upset the Sixers or the Bucks and make it to the conference finals at least. Maybe the finals. I, I don't really know. Uh, but a lot more NBA action to look out for. But let's finish off the episode by listening to or hearing your your questions that that you guys have sent in obviously presented by Aaron Visual Cycle 4 is out now so get your merch use code NGL at checkout for free shipping that's aaronvisual.co free free shipping at checkout code NGL uh, so all right here's a good one what do you do after a tough loss um well obviously like like I mentioned um earlier there's not a lot you can really do after your team loses a close game, I, mean, I have a lot of experience with it because the Colts just did it. Um, you know, Adam Vinatieri missing a game-winning field goal against the Steelers. 
really what I do is I replay every single situation that went wrong um, and then think about it for the next six days until they play next Sunday. Uh, it's, it's a tough process. I lose a lot of sleep, unfortunately, over it. Uh, but the game isn't won or lost in, you know, one play. It's made up of a lot of plays that really could go either way. And when your team loses a lot of those 50-50 plays, it's disheartening. But we're back at it again next Sunday, uh, and we're good to go there. All right, are the Mavs a playoff team? Right now, they look like it. I Initially, I didn't have them going to the playoffs, um, but that's because I didn't trust KP coming back from injury. I didn't know what he was really going to give us, um, and I didn't expect Luka to play this well. Back-to-back triple-doubles. Obviously, had one last night. Um, they really could be. The depth is impressing me as well. That was another issue. I mean, you've got your two stars, but how can the supporting cast play? Supporting cast has played really well. Luke has played really well. KP has played really well. Yes, I think so. At this point, from what we've seen, it's a small sample size, but the things that they've shown us, they went toe-to-toe with the with the, the Lakers on Friday night. If, if Dwight Howard doesn't hold J.J. Barea and whoever, I think it was Dwight Powell, if Dwight Powell doesn't cover on a LeBron drive and sticks out with Danny Green, I think the Mavs pull out a win in that one, and it's a different conversation. Uh, but... They look really good. The bench is good, solid, which means they can weather um, an injury here or there. If KP can stay healthy, like, yeah, I think I think we might have talked about this before. But if KP can play in 65 games uh, and they get good production out of him, I think the Mavs are a playoff team. So 65 games from Porzingis, and yes, the Mavericks are a playoff team. And then here's another one. Luka is a top 10 player in the NBA right now. Agree or disagree? I agree. I mean, back-to-back triple-doubles speak for themselves. He's leading his team to to big wins and big games. He's not only putting up stats in those games, but he's also leading them to wins, which is extremely important. Uh, and that's something that you look for in a top-10 player. I mean, let me, let me just think right off the bat. Players in the NBA right now that are better than Luka. Uh, LeBron James. Kyrie Irving. Uh, I, I mean... Because it's a different conversation because at this point right now, through these six games, Luka is playing like a top 10 player. Is he a top 10 player just from what we've seen out of everybody? He's probably top 15 um, when everyone's at their best. But at this point in the season right now, with the way that everyone's playing, I would probably put him at probably 7 or 8 in the league, maybe even 6. So, yes, Luka is a top 10 player in the NBA right now in terms of playing. Maybe at the All-Star break, he he may not be in the top 10, but he also could. He keeps up this pace. Like Right now, I assume that this is a ceiling. I assume that this is as good as he can play um, and that he's going to go back down. But if he stays up at this level, yeah, no, he's, he's playing like a top 10 player at this point. All right, halfway through the season, who is your Super Bowl prediction? Ooh, let's see. Well, the Patriots, at first, I, like it would have seemed like the Patriots were a safe bet. Uh, but now, I'm not sure. Uh, about that one in the NFC I really do feel like it's the Saints uh, I mean they first off they've gotten uh, they've suffered heartbreaking losses the last two years so they're due they're due for some good for some good mojo but it's one of the best constructed rosters in the NFL uh, that the Saints have right now obviously getting Drew Brees back was big he's shown that he is a really good football player which I mean we all assumed um, 
The Seahawks are a close second. I think the way that they're playing now, like I mentioned, one of the best offenses in football. The defense has a lot of question marks, and the playoffs are really where those question marks get amplified. This, the Saints haven't really shown a ton of weaknesses at this point. Uh, so the Seahawks are definitely a close second, I would say. Uh, but the Saints are, in the NFC, my pick for the Super Bowl. And in the AFC, I feel like you just have to stay with the Patriots. I, I, I don't know. I mean, they lost to the Ravens, and one can assume that it's going to be like the Patriots in the in the um, conference championship game with either the Texans or the Ravens. Um, I'm assuming the Ravens at this point. But there is a stat that we, we cling to here on the podcast. There's only one team in the NFL that Lamar Jackson has beaten twice, uh, having played them at least twice, and that is the Cincinnati Bengals, which I don't I don't really count. Uh, so we'll see, because Bill Belichick obviously has a lot of game tape uh, of him just playing him right now. We'll see what he does with that, what ways he comes up to stop him, because the Chargers did it last year in the playoffs, and Lamar Jackson did not show up. So what happens next time, I don't really know. So I wish it wasn't the Patriots, but right now Patriots, Saints, and the winner, uh, I just feel like the, the Saints, because they, like I said, best constructed roster in football. Tom Brady's showing signs of aging. Uh, Drew Brees is not. He looks well-rested, ready to go. His thumb looks perfectly fine. Uh, so Saints-Patriots in the Super Bowl, and that is that is my pick for that one. Uh, all right, let's see. What other questions do we have here? Oh, who is the MV, who's the MVP in the NFL? Uh, I already mentioned, I, I really think it is Russell Wilson's uh, race to lose. I don't think he has a chance to, I mean, uh, there's there's a chance that he falls off of a cliff at, somehow. CMC is right on his tail. Uh, but another a five touchdown performance, you know, if if he continues to play at this level, even if he's going like 250, two touchdowns, three touchdowns, uh, and coasts in, I still think that's a, I mean, that, for him that's coasting. For some quarterbacks, that's like a really good stat line. That just shows you how talented he is. Uh, but yeah, if he just gets 250, two three touchdowns, it's his award. Unfortunately, uh, unless CMC, unless CMC just explodes, uh, and I say unfortunately because. You know, Christian McCaffrey's having a legendary year, uh, and running backs just get looked over. But Russell Wilson is playing extremely well. His team is winning a lot of games, and I think that's going to translate to MVP success. All right, that's going to do it for the episode. Thank you guys for tuning in. Really appreciate you listening. You can check out uh, our website, notgonlipod.com. You can find our episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Follow us on Twitter, at PodcastNGL. Follow us on Instagram, at Podcast. Thank you, and we will see you sometime later this week for a second episode.